Hey, this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned in to the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you're going to better understand your place in God's kingdom today. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, please visit us at graceocala.org. Today I want to look for a little bit at our gospel reading today, and I want to talk about how we can get rich quick, which may sound appealing to you. So as we enter into this topic, I want you to think of somebody that in your mind is rich. Got it? Got that person? Boy or girl, whoever it is, you got who that person is? Okay, so here's the question that I would love for you to answer for me. How'd they get that way? How'd they get rich? The person you thought of. How'd they get rich? They worked for it. Okay. So hard work is one way to get rich. How else? They inherited it. Okay. So uh, you can either uh, do the nine to five thing, or really, if you're going to get rich, probably more than nine to five. Um, just saying. Uh, so you, you can work for it pretty hard, or you can ha- inherit it. That is, it comes from your family, and it's given to you. What's, a th- what's another way that you can get rich? Right, luck. That's exactly right. Six magic numbers. And fabulous wealth is yours, right? And truly, what it, I mean, what it really boils down to is in each of these ways, there's something a little bit different. So some wealth comes from families that is passed down through generations. Some wealth comes from hard work that is day after day, week after week, month after month. These folks save, scrimp, work very hard, and they're able to get rich. And then some folks... Uh, just know the right numbers on that particular week, and they get lucky. Now, in truth, most often, it's some combination of those things, isn't it? Like, you are a very hard worker, and then you get that one account that somehow is a life-changing account. It changes everything for you, and that account is what propels that person into being rich. And... What I know about human nature, I don't think it's just me, is that no matter how that wealth comes, we all are desperately praying for that unknown uncle with no living children (laughs) to love me more than anyone else in his will. Or another prayer that we might pray is, God, you know that I'm working hard, but you could add a little power boost to it. You know what I'm saying, God? Or maybe you prayed, God, are these the right numbers? You know what numbers are the right numbers. What numbers do I need to put on this little thing here? We all like that idea, I think, of being rich. We've all had that um, imagination where we've imagined what it would be like to be propelled into that incredible place of wealth. And if you aren't that person, if you think, oh, that's not true, Father Jonathan, all I need to say is, you ever bought a lottery ticket? If you have, then you're interested. Um, So... This is exactly where our gospel, Luke chapter 12, is taking us today. What what we see here and actually what the the title of the story in the biblical passage is often often called the parable of the rich fool. It's hard, hard words. So let's walk through this story a little bit because it's a very significant, significant story. There's a guy in the crowd and he yells out to Jesus, Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Or another way that he could have said that is, 
Help me resolve this important civil matter, because that's what this was, and rabbis often did that. Or another way that he could have said it is, I'm sick and tired of the oldest getting everything in the family. Change this rule. Say something, Jesus. Because it's not like it is today. There weren't wills. There weren't trusts then. There was not a state equally divided among the children. They had one very simple rule. Everything went to the oldest male child. Period. And if you were that oldest male, you won the lottery. And if you weren't, you got nothing. That's how they kept family property together. So, this guy who's yelling out to Jesus, he's really saying, look, mix it up. Change things up. This isn't Status quo is not working. This isn't fair. Make things better. And it was common for rabbis to make moral rulings like this. They would say things on this. But Jesus steps away from this pretty obvious landmine, doesn't he? And instead he says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Be on guard against all kinds of greed, he says. So let's linger on that word greed just for a second here. When you hear that word greed, what comes to mind? Certain people? Certain companies? Maybe certain times in American history when you think, oh man, they were really greedy. Or maybe you just think of Scrooge, uh, the essence of greed that we hear about every single year. Even the word greed itself, it just kind of sounds bad. In our culture, it sounds kind of slippery and slimy, like, ugh, greed, that's terrible. Now, let's note very carefully what the Word of God says here. He doesn't say it's greed of money. What he says is, watch out for all kinds of greed. So he's not just talking about money or wealth accumulation here, not at all. Because that's not what greed is. You see, it's very tricky here. Greed is this insatiable desire for more. Insatiable desire for more. That's what greed is. So, yes, greed can be about wealth, but it also can be about stuff, possessions. Greed can also be about control, the insatiable desire for more control. Basically, greed is whatever you want that exceeds your need. Whatever you want that exceeds your need. Does that make sense? Are you hearing me here? Because that's what greed is. Greed is this bottomless desire that no matter how much we get, no matter how much we have, we could always do it just, you know, a little, little more. That'd be good. We never have enough. We're never satisfied with what is. And our want is constantly outstripping our need Beyond this place of reason or rationale, that's greed. And so if you were this guy in this crowd who asks this question of Jesus, you might be thinking, whoa, greed, hang on a second here, Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about greed. I'm talking about my fair share. That's all I really want. I'm not trying to be rich here. I just want a little bit more, Jesus, a little something that's coming to me. The problem is that this guy, and so oftentimes us, are so immersed in our situation, are so tied into what's going on around us, that all we see is our world, our context, our bills, 
are perceived lacking. And so this guy doesn't even recognize that he has quit on his morals. That his motivation and his heart, in fact, have lost its way. And now he, as a whole person, is simply drowning in greed. This is what Jesus wants to address with him today and with us. So, Jesus, knowing him and knowing us, and how, situ- how grave this situation is, he tells a story. He gives an illustration to explain to this guy what's really going on here in his heart. Now, indulge me a little bit. I'd like to modernize the story just a, a tad. There is this real estate agent, and if you're a real estate agent, no shame on you. I'm not, not picking on you. I love you. God loves you. There's this real estate agent, and it's 2006. And the market in real estate is super hot. Everything is selling. In fact, it's so hot, people are buying houses sight unseen. As soon as it comes on the market, minutes, maybe even an hour later, the house is already gone at full asking price, or maybe even more. You cannot imagine a market so hot. And this real estate agent is doing incredible He's the top in his office. He's gotten all the awards. In fact, he can't even keep housing inventory. As soon as he gets a house for sale, it's gone out the door, and his 6% commission is there. He has money. He has a claim. He has success. He has security. Praise from his peers and especially his bosses. But a little bit more would be nice, right? Just a little bit. He's not quite made it in his eyes, so the story goes. And so he takes the couple of houses that he has snapped up as they came on the market for investment properties. He takes those and he takes his checking account, his savings account. He even takes his 401k out and he cashes in everything so that he can go all in with a developer on a housing subdivision. Because this is it, right? The market's never going to go down. He's going to make a killing. Those houses are going to fly right out of that subdivision. This is never going to come to end, except in 2008, when it all ends. Not just a little bit, but a lot. All at once, in fact. Everything comes crashing down. And, of course, he horribly loses everything. That's the story Jesus is telling He loses everything except the one thing that he started with, his motivation of greed, that insatiable desire for more. And as he loses his houses and as the land value plummets and the money and the dreams and the security that he had thought he had built in his mind as it all runs away and he can't clutch it at all, it slips through his fingers, Jesus says, which will it be, young man? Which treasure do you really want to pursue? Worldly wealth and treasures or being rich towards God? Being rich towards God. That's the phrase that he uses. That's the phrase that I want to spend the remainder of my time here with this morning because it's such an interesting and yet slightly convoluted phrase. But this is the place at which I believe God wants us to get rich. 
he in fact has a get-rich-quick scheme for us. Now, maybe you're familiar with get-rich-quick schemes. I've had the uh, opportunity to be in the room twice for such a scheme. Lucky me, I was not smart enough the first time. And if you've ever been in one of these rooms, <laughs> here's, the, here's the pitch. If you can give just a small investment today, you will make several thousands, perhaps tens of thousands in just a few months. You've heard this? You're all laughing. I mean, so I'm not the only one who showed up at this thing. You were in the room too. It was crowded room. Indeed it was. I remember that now that you say that. But I had to invest that day. And it works, of course, doesn't it? Because we want to be rich quickly. Now, interestingly, God wants that for us too. But he wants us rich towards him. So what does that mean? How do we work that out? What does that look like in any way? Well, it's the same motivator in our hearts for greed, that same insatiable desire for more that actually works when we talk about being rich towards him. So as I was thinking about this idea about what it meant to be rich towards God, I decided to take my most significant earthly relationship, that is my marriage to my wife Marissa, and apply this standard to her. What would it mean for me to be rich towards my wife? What does it look for me to be rich towards Marissa? And I had several ideas, but I basically boiled it down to just sort of three simple ideas. The idea to be rich towards my wife means that I know her, that I spend time with her, and that I celebrate her. Know her, um, spend time with her, and celebrate her. And I want to say a little bit about each of those just very briefly here. If I'm going to know my wife, what that means is I'm going to take time to listen and to learn what she's into and what she's not into, what she cares about and what she doesn't care about. To know someone means to try to understand their thinking, their reason, to Know what they're dreaming about, why they're dreaming about those things. Knowing someone requires both the desire to learn and the consistency to pay attention. Here's what I've learned in my years of marriage, that it's not so much difficult to know what Marissa's thinking. It just takes effort and intention, sometimes effort and intention that I don't want to give. The exact same thing is true about being rich towards God. When we pay attention to the things that he cares about, when we listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting for us to serve this person or give sacrificially to that situation or to love recklessly with this group of people, when we observe the things and places and people that God is investing in, that's knowing him. That's what it means. That's the first way in which we become rich towards him. Because we know what God then likes and what he dislikes. We know what he desires and affirms and what he doesn't affirm. And we can know what he thinks. We can know how he feels. And we can even know sometimes why he does this, but he doesn't do that. Knowing us, knowing him, makes us rich in him. And he wants us to be rich in him. It's actually his scheme. So the first thing to do is to know him, what he's into. The second thing I've noticed about relationships is that 
not only do I have to have a desire to learn what my wife is all about, but I have to also spend time with her. If I only learned what she was into but didn't spend time with her, then she only becomes an object of study, a a point of observation in my life. That's it. I can know a lot about her, but of course then there's no application of that knowledge. The same is true when it comes towards being rich in God. Yes, you can know God. But without spending time with him, frankly, it doesn't matter. You are a God studier and not a God follower. That's all. And how we spend time with God, well, I think it's actually fairly obvious in some ways. Because I'm talking here about prayer, but also I'm talking about listening to his word. I'm also talking about listening to the other followers of God, the people, the disciples that he has put in your life that help you stay focused on him. The truth is, brothers and sisters, God is not silent. He is not absent from your life. He is constantly talking to you and I all the time. He is offering his thoughts over our thoughts. And so if you are struggling to hear his thoughts, what I'm going to, ask, I'm going to have to ask you is, are you making an effort to listen, to know what he's into? He's not making this difficult. We are. So just like you hopefully like to spend time with your spouse or your best friend, I want to encourage you to look and to listen in the same way that you do that with the Holy Spirit. This is how you're going to get rich quickly. Finally, celebrate. I've learned that for a relationship to be rich, it requires celebration. Celebration of all kinds of things. Of course, milestones of birthdays and anniversaries. I ask you to miss one of those and you'll see what kind of celebration you then don't have. Um, Celebrations of big accomplishments, new jobs, awards given. Celebrations of small accomplishments like getting the laundry done, getting to the grocery store in the midst of a very chaotic life. All of that and so much more should be celebrated because it makes me and my marriage rich. The exact same thing is true with God. We have so much to be grateful for, so much to celebrate. Even if we don't know it, even if we can't think about it, it's still there just waiting for us to say thank you for. And when we celebrate... It makes us rich towards God because now we have this gratitude, we have this excitement, we have this assurance and connection with God in a way that we didn't have before. And in fact, celebration breeds celebration. It was the very plan of God from the beginning of creation to celebrate. In fact, it's one of the reasons today that we're celebrating Deacon Chester's launching. He's launching over to to, uh, St. Pete and we are rich with him. And we send him out today even richer, hopefully. Does that make sense? You you getting what I'm saying here? This is God's get-rich-quick scheme. Know him, spend time with him, celebrate him. You don't have to do any of those things. You can be greedy. You can satisfy yourself. It's a bottomless pit. It will never end. I warn you simply that the Bible would tell you that you, if you go that route, are the rich fool. Or you can be rich towards God. Study him, serve him, 
pray, listen, worship, give. Be a part of all that he's doing in your life because you've put your focus there, your attention on him. Christians, today is the day that you can start getting rich with God. Let me pray for us. Father, we acknowledge that our hearts are divided and complex, and we admit, Lord, that we think far too often about ourselves and our own desires. Help us, Lord, to be, as your word says, rich towards you. And as we are, that we would know you, that we would encounter you, that we would see you at work, that we would join you in those places, and that we would celebrate and have parties all the time because of what you're doing, what you have done, and what you're going to do in the future. Lord, life is insufferable without you. So teach us to be rich. In your name, amen. We're so glad you've been a part of our conversation today. Our prayer is that you will take what you've heard and bring it to the Lord with the question, what would you have me do? To find out more about all the good things that are happening on our campus and how you can get involved, feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on our website, graceofcala.org. Go in peace. Thank you.